Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. And Father, I just thank you for the team of amazing people that you are raising up in this church. Pastors and leaders, men and women, young adults, fathers and mothers in the faith. God, I thank you that you are building your body. You're building this church to be strong, loving, and a safe place for you to deposit your rich treasure of your presence, your restoring power, your love that will just transform thousands of people's lives. I don't say that unwisely, I say it with truth. Lord, you are building and birthing and joining this church to be a dwelling place of your powerful kingdom presence that will overflow. Oh God, help each one of us embrace what you have called us. Lord, help us to be fathers and mothers in the faith. And Lord, we want to release every gift, every treasure that you have placed in this church for your kingdom. And Lord, I just see you expanding our vision. Lord, as we look for the home for the harvest to build that building, it's a place for people to come and meet you and be trained and equipped. But Lord, you're building our hearts as people to get us ready for the rapid increase that you're bringing. Oh God, just continue to speak to our hearts. Help us to honor you and honor one another, the gifts and the treasures of the body of Christ in Jesus' name. Now speak to us through your word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys. Let's take our seats. I just love God. I love His presence. Because God goes to the heart and He's building something very precious here that just amazes me. I, I travel and preach sometimes in other church and God always does amazing things because of what He's put on my heart. And I just share stories of what God's doing here and everyone gets so excited. I tell stories of, of the transformations. I tell stories of... God raising up people and, and, and I, just, I just have so many stories. And then I spend hours with the pastors afterward just telling stories and they just want to know. I thought, Lord, you are so good. God's sending Don McDonnell here next week. We haven't had him for three years. We've, we try to get him every year, but he travels the world and he's planted churches in Singapore and now in Vietnam and he's all over the world. But Don carries a spirit of faith and breakthrough anointing if you haven't heard him, if you haven't been to our church the last three years, you need to come and bring as many people as you can because when they get in the presence of God and Don's speaking, love pours out from his heart. And I've watched the hardest hearts melt in the presence of God when Don starts to speak. He just tells stories and people get, get saved. And he's got so many... He's a walking miracle. And he'll tell more of his story again when he comes. But he was totally uh, healed from uh, paraplegia after an accident and couldn't walk and it's a his story is one of the most powerful stories because some of his body is not knit together properly so he's a walking miracle every day he can do everything and the doctors say that shouldn't work because it's not actually connected in his body and God's chosen to leave some parts disconnected so that he's a walking miracle every day and and I just thank God for that so he's going to come and just bring fresh anointing so bring people and encourage them to come I want to share today, have you ever heard of the 80-20 rule? 20% of the people do 80% of the work. That happens in church, in business, in families. 
That means 80% do the other 20%. 20% give 80% of the money in churches or in organisations or charities. It means 80% give 20%. 20% of people bring 80% of the people to Jesus. 80% bring the other 20 You think, is that a biblical principle? Well, not truly, but it's a life principle that's fairly close to accurate. But I want to share biblically something out of the motivational gifts that will give us a bit more understanding of this truth. And I'm not saying that's all wrong, because some people are so gifted that they can, in a short time, they, an evangelist can win so many people to Jesus because God's gifted them with a charisma and an ability to just connect with people and win them to Christ. All of us witness, but some reap a great harvest. And... God wants us all to be serving. The gospel is free, but it costs to get the message to people. It costs time, money, resources, sacrifice, training, focused attention, sometimes with persecution and hardship. So the gospel is free, but it costs money to get it out. And God wants us to learn what it means to be givers, to be kingdom people. I want to read from Romans chapter 12 verses 1 to 13 in the message. Listen to these words. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. I love that. God's with you as much tomorrow at 9.30 when you're in the office, when you're teaching in your classroom or the doctors and nurses are helping people. He's with you when you're driving the car. He's with you when you're spending time with your family or friends or as you're out playing sport, just as much as he's with you when you're in church or doing something spiritual. We've got to understand God fills every part of our daily life. Let's understand that he lives and flows through us and that makes his kingdom approachable for everyone. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without ever even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to the level of immaturity, God brings out the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. How awesome is it that God is growing and bringing out the best in you? You can study and have five degrees from university and that will help you be equipped in some great skills. But God brings out the best in us because he will touch our gifts and our heart and our intellect and our skill and our capacity and he will multiply it and make it even more powerful. I'm speaking to you out of deep gratitude for all that God has given me and especially as I have responsibilities in relation to you. Living then as every one of you does is in pure grace. It's important that you not misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. No, God brings it all to you. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what he does for us, not by what we are and what we do for him. In this way, we are like the various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of his body. But as a chopped off finger or a cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? That's a bit of a sad picture, but it's so true. (laughs) 
So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvellously functioned parts in Christ's body, that's what a, what a description that is. Excellently formed and marvellously functioning parts in Christ's body. Let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something we aren't. Wow, that is powerful. If you preach, just preach God's message, nothing else. If you help, just help, don't take over. We've all had those people there. We want to help and then they take over your house or your life. If you teach, stick to your teaching. If you give encouraging guidance, be careful that you don't get bossy. Uh-oh. If you're put in charge, don't manipulate. If you're called to give aid to people in distress, keep your eyes open and be quick to respond. If you work with the disadvantage, don't let yourself get irritated with them or depressed by them. Keep a smile on your face. For all the mercy people here and the carers, it's so easy to feel like you're drained and used. Keep a smile on your face and a joy in your heart because God's given you the privilege to touch broken people or needy people love from the center of who you are don't fake it run for dear life from evil hold on for dear life to good be good friends who love deeply practice playing second fiddle wow that's not easy is it because often we want to be in charge don't burn out keep yourselves fueled and aflame be alert servants of the master cheerfully expectant Don't quit in hard times, pray all the harder, help needy Christians be inventive in hospitality. Wow, what a scripture. I think if we go away and do that, we've had our sermon right there. But I do want to unpack just a couple of aspects. Verses 6 to 8 in the NIV says, We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. These are grace gifts. So these seven gifts that are listed here, are often referred to as the motivational gifts. We have spiritual gifts that are imparted to us. Sometimes after you get filled with the Spirit, you start to pray for people and they get healed. Or you start to prophesy and you do things you couldn't normally do before you became a Christian. They are spiritual gifts that we can grow. You have personalities. And Pastor Doug did a great sermon last Sunday night on different personalities and how that affects the way we evangelize or connect with people. And that's a gift of God. God puts all those amazing personalities, spiritual gifts, but he also gives us what is referred to as the motivational gifts. There's seven different key motivations that you will be stronger in one or two of these than the others. But don't use as an excuse and say, well, I'm, I'm not good at um, caring, so I'll leave that to the carers and you just walk off in your own little world. We're all meant to give, we're all meant to care, we're all meant to teach in some ways, but some of us are just gifted better than others in those. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. When I first started prophesying, it was just a word of encouragement. Over the years, God's given me sharper and clearer and more encountering stuff because the faith level grows. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. (coughs) If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. We can all prophesy. We can all serve. We can all teach, encourage, give, lead, show mercy. 
But each of us are gifted by God's grace to be stronger and more naturally leaning towards one or two of those. And we haven't got time to unpack all seven motivational gifts today, but I want to look at one of them and give us an understanding of how it works. But what are some of the things that stop us functioning in our gifts? First one is the big fear. Fear. We think we're not good enough. We're, we think, well, there's other people that are better than us, and we've tried that and it failed. Fear holds us back from a mountain of things that God has called you and I to do. I've had to wrestle with fears of public speaking and all sorts of stuff when I was younger. But Mary Lynn and I, we've just learned to say yes more often than we say no. Fears come, we think, well, if God's called us, He's equipped us, He's going to enable us, He's going to be with us all the way, so what's the problem? Let's go! And we've just been willing. Sometimes it's taken a while to get there. We've been a bit slower than we could have been or should have been. But we kept saying yes and face our fears. What else can hinder us? Sometimes it's lack of knowledge or training. I think, well, I'd really love to. I've got a heart to do that, but I don't know how to teach very well. So get some training. Hang out with some others that are good teachers. And it'll start to rub off on you. Start to get mentored, supported. And if you've got a heart to prophesy... I, when I first got saved, I wanted to prophesy. So I would, I would be the first one catching people on the altar and I'd be watching every... We had a prophet came through and he prophesied five hours straight over everyone in a church. Well, I stayed the whole five hours because I wanted to be there and I watched how he listened and how he responded. And I, so I'd be there for hours just watching because I wanted to learn. I said, one day I'm going to do that. Because God put that desire in my heart. You see, it was a gift God put in my soul. But I had to wait, learn, respond, grow in that. And I learned to get my guitar and worship God and learn to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. If you're going to prophesy, you've got to know you're hearing from God. It took me 12 months to work out whether it was God speaking or me speaking. Oh, mate, God used to beat me up sometimes because I would beat myself up. Until he got me when I realized that I'd be about to speak and someone else would speak and say exactly word for word what I had in my heart. That happened over 12 months before I got the courage to start to speak it myself. Sometimes it's other people's opinions. Saying, oh, you're not really cut out for that. But deep inside your heart, you know you are. Sometimes people say that because of their own fears or their own jealousy or envy. They can see something inside you, so they start putting you down because they don't want you to outshine them. That happens in brothers and sisters and sibling rivalry all the time. It happens in families and church families. Because we're human and we sometimes wrestle through our own fears and insecurities, so we'll just, uh, don't get too excited about that. I'm not really sure if you're cut out for that. When deep in your heart, you know they are, but you're scared that they will outshine you. So don't let other people's opinions determine how you live out the gift and call of God on your life. Just make room for God. Just step up and have a go. That's what we just keep doing. And God in His grace keeps taking us and training us and teaching us. The fourth one is unwillingness. Sometimes we know what God's called us to be and do. But we're unwilling because we're not sure if we want to pay the price. Sometimes God's called you to be an evangelist, but you're scared because you don't want to face the possible rejection or opposition. 
God's called you to be a giver generously, but you're not prepared to go through the training process and sometimes you've got plenty and sometimes you, you're trusting and praying in the next meal and you're not prepared to go through the journey. Some of you have got a compassionate heart, but you don't want to be feel like you're used and drained, so you just play it safe. You only give 80% of your heart in ministry. One thing we've learned is if you're going to do it, do it wholeheartedly. Oh, we just do everything wholeheartedly. Haven't got a clue sometimes how it all's going to work out, but we just do it wholeheartedly. <laughs> if God says, let's have a go, we just do it wholeheartedly, and God comes through, and you learn in the process. Just keep saying yes. I feel that so clearly. Some of you, you've got passions, you've got gifts in your life, but you've held back because of unwillingness, or you think, I've watched a few people, and they've paid a price to do that. You know, there is a cost in serving Jesus, but boy, the rewards are amazing. Now and for eternity. There have been times when emotionally and physically we are worn out, but one good sleep and a fresh time of worship and you're ready to go again. But some people pull back and say, oh, it's going to cost me much too much emotionally or I'm going to feel overloaded. Oh, mate. That's happened many times to us, but we just keep showing up and saying, yes, Holy Spirit, you've called us. We're going to do all we can to get there. Oh, it's so good. So don't be unwilling. Some of you have got amazing gifts in your business world, in your uh, people skills, in your entrepreneurial creativity. And some of you have settled for only half the fulfillment of what God's given you. It's like today, God has stirred my heart to give you permission to flourish and succeed. That's about the best I can say it. I just feel, not that I have to give you permission, but in the spirit, sometimes we need to know that. And I, I just feel that God's saying, hey, have permission to flourish and succeed and break through in whatever your gift and calling is. I want to look at the one on giving. There's seven key ones there. We haven't got time to unpack. I just want to help unpack one a little bit. Remember last year we did the uh, Blessed Life series with um, Pastor Robert Morris and that was an amazing series and a lot of people really got blessed and inspired and encourage if you've got that book to pull it out again because I pulled it out again this week and started reading and it's dangerous because God just starts stirring your heart to to give your whole heart and he owns everything and, and he checks your heart out and it's not about money, it's about your heart and generosity and he owns it all so what's the big issue? And then you realize Jesus preached on finances and material things. He preached on that. Nearly half of his stories and parables were on that. Mate, if we did that, we'd be preaching a sermon every second week on finance and giving. People say, what are you preaching on that again? Well, if you would have Jesus here, he would have been doing it every second week because he knows that's where your treasure is, where your heart is, and he knows that if you can manage that and do that well, then he'll trust you the true riches of the kingdom. Wow. And the enemies tried to rob from the people of God so much. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 11 says, Remember this. In other words, it's easy to forget it. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. 
And I'll never forget Mary Lynn's sister, Sharon. She's been on missions trips to Africa. She told us a story. She was at this African church. It was a, there were a lot of poor people. They didn't have much money. And the service was great, and they're doing their African worship. But when it came to offering time, the place exploded in joy and praise. For about 15 minutes, they're clapping and cheering. They're dancing down the aisles to come and bring their few coins they had. They weren't wealthy. They were poor people. But they understood that God had given them everything. So whatever they had, let's do it with all of our heart. She said it was the most amazing experience. That was the most exciting time at church was offering time because they'd caught it that he owned everything. So the little bit we had, let's just give it back and let's celebrate while we do it. I thought one day that's going to happen here. We're going to have explosions of joy when we give. Oh, Lord. Because it doesn't own us. He owns it all. And we have the privilege of being stewards of a little bit of what he's got. Oh, God, let us just understand the power. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Wow. God help us to understand the power of giving and sowing and reaping for his kingdom and glory because it's about the heart that's why the devil fights when it comes to <coughs> finance and giving often when people get saved and you're the first one in a family get saved guess what the people say don't be so passionate and watch out the church is only after your money who's had that happen around their lives hey don't be too why because the devil hates Christians who get passion and fire the whole spirit and get understanding that he owns everything. So the money and the sowing and the tithing and giving is the heart. The devil hates it. That's why he fights it tooth and nail all the time. Because he wants to rip us off and let us stay for the stinking lifestyle that he brings on people's hearts. And God said, I want you to come and live a generous, large, overflowing life of love, of care, of joy and provision way beyond what you've settled for. And I was reading this week and I started to look at some of the rich people in the Bible. Whoa! It's amazing. Abraham, Isaac, Esau, Laban, Jacob, Nabal, David, Solomon, Jehoshaphat, Job, Joseph of Arimathea. He was the guy who was a wealthy man who took Jesus' body off the cross owned a huge big field and an unused tomb and placed Jesus in that tomb and carefully looked after the body of Jesus. He was a wealthy man that had the means to look after the body of Jesus. Without stretching it too far, God's raising up men and women of resource and wealth to look after the body of Christ today. I believe we've got to get a hold of this. The Apostle Paul wrote, whether I've got little or much, I'm content. So it's not about the money. Philippians 4.11 says, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, 
I can do all this through him who gives me strength. There are seasons in life. Sometimes you've got lots of spare money. Other times you don't have much at all. Guess what? God says, if you're willing, I will help you live at peace and rest, whether you've got lots or little. It's about the heart. And just keep honoring and sowing and tithing and giving into the kingdom of God. When you don't have money, just give more time or treasure or whatever you can to God. I looked at some of the people above. Genesis 26, 12 says, Isaac planted crops in that land and the same year reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. The man became rich and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. He had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines envied him. Wow, how long has it been since Christians have more money and possessions that the world is envying the Christians because they are the most blessed people? That's how God has planned it to be and we've settled for the opposite. Because somewhere along the way we thought money was evil. No, it's the love of money is the root of all evil. Money is just a means and a resource for God to use to help people. God wants to release finance, provision, so that we can have all that God has. Listen to this one about Job. Job 1, in the land of Uz there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God, shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep. 3,000 camels. What are you going to do with 3,000 camels? 500 yoke of oxen, 500 donkeys. That sounds like, I'm not sure if that's a blessing or a curse. He had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. This godly man was the wealthiest man in all that whole region of countries. He was richer than the Bill Gates today. And we've, we've been taught, well, you can't have money if you're a believer. Rubbish. You read through the Bible, some of the wealthiest people, when David, they built the tabernacle, he put aside tens of billions of dollars worth of resource to build the temple. And we sort of got this small mindset. I think, well, God doesn't have it. Where did we get it from? I'm not talking about money for the sake of money. I'm talking about resources to build the kingdom. I'd love to have enough money to be able to build our home for the harvest out there, to... Uh, to buy the transformations complex and, and set up more homes around the place so we can have hundreds being transformed. So every chaplain is paid full time and we can put them into more schools and, and we can do missions and multiply. Why not? Because that's God's plan and somewhere along the line we've settled for less. We've somehow lost God's heart and capacity and God's put gifts in your life. And I want to say there is Seven gifts, so about 15% of people in any given church will have the mercy gift as their predominant. About 15% will have the prophesying. Doesn't mean everyone can't do it, but there'll be a percentage. About 15% of a church will be entrepreneurs and people that just make lots of money for the kingdom. Whatever they do, it just prospers. Just want to give a quick summary of what it means help you identify if you're one of those people the grace of giving grace giving gift they respond to strong vision with clear objectives they want their money to count they want to invest in the kingdom of god in churches who have large vision and a good track record of financial stewardship and accountability they're both men and women remember lydia in the bible she was a dealer in uh, clothing and materials and she opened her heart they got saved the whole household and then he helped she helped finance paul's ministry for the next season <coughs> Joseph Arimathea 
Barnabas, he had land, sold it, gave it to meet the poor and needy, and then went out and became a great man of God. People who have the gift of giving have discernment that allows them to determine genuine needs. They don't get ripped off easily. People who have the gift of giving are very frugal and good stewards of their money, but they are also very generous. They like budgets and financial accountability. A person who has a gift of giving desires to be appreciated but not recognized. They don't want to be publicly acknowledged but appreciate being thanked. A lot of pastors have not understood how to work with those people in their churches that have got that gift of giving. They've either promoted them unhealthily or they've ignored them or criticized them when they weren't involved at every service in church because some of their time had to be out there doing kingdom business business in the in the marketplace so that they could bless the kingdom and finding that healthy balance they want to give to and invest in a stable growing church and project not a sinking ship where someone is always desperately crying out for money or donations sadly i've seen some tv evangelists if you don't give today, we'll be off the air next week. And so this desperate plea, and my heart turns. I said, God, that's not kingdom finance. That's not kingdom way of doing life. People who truly have the gift of giving don't want to control their money after they've given it. They want to help provide a, a cure, not just a band-aid, short-term solution. People who have the gift of giving want to give more than money. They want to give their time, talent, and their wisdom. People have the gift of giving are often gifted leaders. Their ability to lead is frequently the reason they have been so successful. And people who have the gift of giving don't appreciate being put down or criticized for having a successful lifestyle. Wow, I've seen that so many times. You get some Christians who are just on the journey and don't have the gift of giving. They start to criticize those that have got a new car or a bigger home or off on a holiday be careful because you don't know that person might be given 30 or 40% of their income to missions or the kingdom of God and God's blessed them with an overflow and a reward. Don't ever criticize what you don't un- understand. Be very careful you don't have a mo- small mindset to judge others because you don't know what God's doing behind the scenes. And God might be blessing them so they become a modern-day Isaac or Abraham with resource that's going to help finance a whole aspect of his kingdom for the glory of God. And you don't know. Let's be careful we don't judge. The Bible does have warnings. If you do have money, don't trust in it and don't put your identity in it. So there's, there's challenges. And lastly, it says, successful people with the gift of giving don't want to talk about money all the time. Money for them is a tool not something to be focused on and talked about all the time. They want to live life. God's just given them a gift. There are some people in our church that you have this gift in your life and you work, you study, you serve, but it's like the first thing you think of is how can I resource that ministry? In a few weeks' time, we do have our home for the harvest offering. Once a year, I don't talk about money very often. We do a short message in uh, church at offering time. But some of you, I want to encourage you to think about investing in good ground, which is our home for the harvest, because we want to see thousands come into the kingdom. We need a bigger facility. We don't want the shoe telling the foot how big to grow. And that's why we're building that. It's a lot of work and effort. We can stay nice and comfortable here in this lovely 
church we've got, but God says, hey, there's thousands to come into the kingdom. There are thousands to be trained and equipped and ministered to and released for the glory of God. And it's going to take money. It's going to take time and effort. But God's the source. And as we do our part, it's not equal giving, it's equal sacrifice. So if all of us do our part, and Marilyn and I, we've learned over the years, just honor God. We've always tithe. The Bible says, bring the tithe into the storehouse. See if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out so much blessing, you can't contain it. We're blessed people right now because with God's grace, we've tried to honor him all of our life. God wants us to live blessed lives, overflowing lives, and resource and money is part of God's way. And Deuteronomy 8, 17 says, if you start thinking to yourselves, I did all this and all by myself, I'm rich, it's all mine. Well, think again. Remember that God, your God, gave you the strength to produce all this wealth so as to confirm the covenant that he promised to your ancestors as it is today. So Marilyn and I, we've always tithed and given 10% or more into the house of God every week. Done that since my first paycheck of $30. That dates me a bit, doesn't it? Three dollars tie, yes. <laughs> Makes me sound a bit older than I am. And when I was about, I'd only been working six months in the bank, and the church we were in was planning another church at Oki, and the pastors took up a, a faith offering for the building fund. And I'm thinking, oh, well, we'll throw in 10 bucks or $20, because I was only on probably $100 a week by then and the Holy Spirit said I want you to give 500 I'm thinking God that's I don't have $500 he said I'm going to make a way we had a month to pledge and then believe for it to come so I pledged $500 I wrestled all night we had about 20 people at meeting we raised $42,000 back in 1975 and there was no wealthy people there but somehow God spoke to our hearts and I'll never forget he said if you learn these tests of giving now finances will not be a challenge the rest of your life doesn't mean we've been wealthy there's been times where we've had to pray in the next meal we've been tested and said we've always given to missions we've supported a pastor in India for the last 14 years we've always given with a compassion child because we want to give out beyond ourselves and when it comes to the home for the harvest offering we believe for a multiple sum of thousands each year to put into that. We're not wealthy, but we've learnt the power that if you just put God first, He has ways to bless your life and overflow. And many of you have proven that you've got more stories than I have, but as a pastor, I just want to say, hey, you've got permission to flourish from God, not just from me, but from God. And I want to break the lies of the enemy that have just robbed so many of us from his provision. Oh God. Worship team, come on up. I want some of you to pray over the next few weeks and and we put a pledge of $100 a month into our building fund. We do that. We've been doing that for years. It was $50 until a couple of years ago God says double it. I said, okay Lord. I love it when he says double it. Because <laughs> he wants to bless us and he wants to release more faith. And as we work together, God's going to do His story, His work of grace. And 
It's about the heart. It's not just the dollars. It's about the heart, but the dollars and cents and the heart of giving. And if you've got that grace of giving, like I preached as the first service. I had three people say, That's, that was awesome. I prayed with some people. I prayed with one person who'd had dreams and visions. They've only just joined our church a while ago. And the enemy has tried to rob and steal from. And they said, I had all this stuff ready to go. And then God moved us from another town to here. And it's like it's all been left. I said, no, it's not. She said, that message today gave me a spark of hope. I grabbed her hand, prayed for her next minute, the anointing of God was all over, and she just burst into a friend and says, now I can see it's going to happen again. I said, the devil tried to rob you from something that's going to be very powerful. This is very real. Oh, it's about the heart. It's about the kingdom. Seven different gifts. There's many more gifts, but God chose to put those seven as key motivations for our soul. One day I'll probably teach on some more of the others. I did a whole series on it years ago, but the Holy Spirit stirred me to speak this today to remind us. Let's stand in His presence. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.